All right, so bonus round. Let's talk about asymmetrical games. You're, you're, you've been working on an asymmetrical game for a year now. Let's talk about designing these kinds of games. What you know? What are the ups and downs? The the what have yous? Tell me about it. Well, I mean, so luckily my game is a fast game, 10 minutes. And one of the things that's really good is people in my game always switch roles. So it doesn't always, like if if you're playing like a two hour long game and things are, aren't perfectly balanced and everyone has different roles, people might have some hurt feelings in a 10 minute game that's less of an issue. But you op, you have to be really cognizant of what how the different roles work and how, <laughs> I guess, assign certain abilities to each role that are, they're, that are balanced. Um, in, in my game, I added one of the roles, the fry player. They are really good at eating fries and making you, the other player, uh, the salad player, discard cards. The salad player does the exact opposite. They're good at stealing and eating fries, which is like the, the reciprocal action, and then drawing cards. Uh, and those two obviously balance each other out really well. It'd be really bad you know, to have one player be really good at drawing cards and discarding cards, and the other player is good at consuming all the resources because <laughs> the game wouldn't work. Um, but I, I think I paired the abilities nicely. So make sure you're pairing abilities nicely. And then I mentioned earlier, I have a spreadsheet of every single, uh, I've, I didn't do this for every game that I played, but I have over 90 play tests recorded where I said, this player played this role. They made this many points. This player played this role and they made this many points. And I, uh, and then it, the Excel spreadsheet is magical. It figures out who won automatically. So I don't have to type that in. Uh, and then I have a chart and it shows me over time, as I'm changing rules, how often every single role is winning. One of the things I learned is um, the salad player wins about, I think, 40 to 45% of the time, and the fry player wins like 55% of the time. So what I did is I gave ties automatically to the salad player. Like that was just like a little extra helpful boost. And it's really close to 50. It's not quite 50-50, but it's really close to 50-50. But if I didn't log 90 games, who played what role at what points, uh, who won, I would have never discovered that. And I would have just said a tie game is a tie game or I would have had a different tiebreaker. Yeah. One thing I found in, in my asymmetrical uh, space game, it's got 10 different factions and they all work a little bit mm -hmm. differently is again, you have to take that data in and really figure out, okay, did this faction wins this percentage and, and balance that as best you can. Yes. But also you have to make sure all the factions are fun or they all have to be fun to play. Yep. But another, another challenge I ran into with my own game is, all right, it's my game. So I understand how, how it works. And so I'm really good at it and I've, played it more than anybody else and so i had to be careful about like not changing things based on my experience because i i don't remember mm. the last time i lost my game like when i get in there and i, I if i come to play mm -hmm. i'm gonna win because i know how to win and i'm really good at it and it's a dexterity game and I've, I've played it so many times and so what i found was every time i would play with a faction it would win and i would go oh man maybe maybe <laughs> this faction's broken because i would win by a pretty good margin uh -huh. you know and so i'd go okay and so i had to get in this system of Whatever playtest happened before, whichever faction was in last place in the next in the next playtest, mm. I would play with them and see if I could win. And if I could win, I would okay. They're they're apparently pretty balanced. And so going through this, and actually just ended up stop playing at all. I just I'm just gonna sit and watch. I'm gonna let you y'all play. You know, people never played the game before because it's <laughs> just kind of funny. So you have to be aware of that as well. Like you might be really good at the game, and your other playtesters at the table maybe not. And so that might throw off your numbers a bit. And so something to just think about. I think that's a really, really good point. And what's interesting is in my game, I think people, lots of people resonate with like having fries stolen from them or stealing fries. And I think it's generally speaking more fun to steal someone else. Like, I think that's like, I think that's a fact of life. It is more fun to eat free food than your, the food you pay for. Yeah. Um, so people, new people tend to play the salad role. And that means if I'm, if I'm playtesting, I take the other role. 
Uh, and guess what? Yeah, I um, I know the game inside and out. I know exactly what card is best at what time. So the the fry stats are probably, or the whoever was the the fry player stats are probably artificially high because I've been playing with them probably two thirds of the time. That's a really good uh, insight. I really like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it also, with your case, gets back into loss aversion, right? People hate losing something more than they like gaining mm -hmm. something, right? The emotion of loss is greater. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing just to kind of keep in mind. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. What other challenges or interesting things did you run into designing this asymmetrical game? So I recently added variable player powers in addition to the default. So like the players are different to begin with. Like one person has you know, one sort of deck, the other person has a different deck. But now I'm adding extra, like you can gain extra victory points this way, or you can you can reuse this card by doing this action and just get a free, you know, reuse this card a bunch of times. So now I have to, don't do this. This is a bad idea. It makes the game really fun, but it is impossible for me to play enough times to test every single, this play this role, which is the salad role or the fry role with this variable player power. I have four of them. And how often do those win? So I do not, I'm not tracking that because it's just impossible to track. Um, I'm really happy I added them because they add a lot of levity to the game. But it, I think if you play, and I've, I've made those variable player powers optional. So they're not like a core part of the game, but it is really hard to test that stuff. Uh, so I would advise against that. And, and by the way, I tested this game for 10 months before adding those variable player powers. Like I designed the game without them and I added them later, which I think is, you know, what people generally like to do with variable player powers is add them in later. Uh, but don't do it with an asymmetrical game. That was, that was, I'm, I'm happy I went through it, but I would not do that again. <laughs> yeah. It's something to be aware of every time you add something new, you have to test it and you have to test it in every possible combination just to make sure it's still yes. balanced and it still works. And so that's one thing I found with my game for the most, I'd say like 75, 80%, probably 80% of the game is the same for everybody. And then there's and maybe more than that, maybe 85. And then there's a little bit of change. The, the, the tech tree, basically the way you upgrade mm -hmm. and the way you're, mm -hmm. Uh, your faction works can change just a little bit over the course of the game. And so you still feel like you have a very, you know, specific faction that does specific things, but the majority of the game, 80, 85% of the game is the same for everybody. And that made it a lot easier to test because I wasn't having yes. to, you know, test against all these different variations and different combinations. It's like, okay, the core is the same for everybody. And then here's just some really interesting variations. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Well, cool, man. Any uh, closing advice for somebody working on one of these things? Closing advice is, what, uh, so one last thing about asymmetrical games is one of the things I found really powerful is people all, it seems like people, unless it's like an hour or two hour long game, people always seem to want to switch. Like no matter what, they're like, wow, that was so much fun. Let me try the other side. Like I, I think when I play other board games, people find a variable player power they like and they stick with it. Whereas asymmetrical roles where you're literally playing different cards or you have totally different powers or totally different rules, People really liked playing my game multiple times, which is so refreshing when you're at a, a proto spiel, you're at a playtesting night, and people are like, let me play that one more time before I give you my feedback. That is one of the best feelings. So you might get more playtests if you have asymmetrical abilities, just because people, I, I found that people really, really like uh, digging into that and, and exploring the whole game. Yeah. And the popularity of games like Root and Vast, I think, would yes. point to the fact that people really love these kinds of games. They love, you know, figuring out the different strategies for the different factions, different sides. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing more and more uh, down the road. The only thing, I mean, they just take so daggum long to design. That's, the, that's really the <laughs> hardest uh, part yeah. about them. Well, cool, man. Again, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck with the game and the Kickstarter and everything else you got going on right now. Thank you so much.